Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. We are in part four of our series on the Holy Spirit today. Uh, I've been reading and studying a lot about the Holy Spirit recently, and there is so much more that He, meaning the Holy Spirit, wants to do in our lives. He, more He wants to do in your lives. We haven't even touched the surface of the revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to our church, both corporately and to our lives individually, as we open up our hearts to the Spirit and to the things of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I spoke on the topic of speaking in tongues. And uh, if you weren't here, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that message. There's been so much controversy over the years and over the generations and over church history about speaking in tongues. And so hopefully last week I was able to clear some things up when it comes to that. So if you weren't here last week, make sure you listen to it. And even if you were here, you might want to listen to it over again just so you get it in your heart and in your spirit. And uh, unfortunately, because of a few eccentric people that have done some really weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit that have been caught on video and uploaded to, whole, uh, uploaded to YouTube, uh, because of that, it's kind of uh, made it difficult for everybody else that are charismatic people, that are spirit-filled people, that embrace the things of the Spirit, that embrace what the Bible says about the Spirit. Because of those few people, it's kind of made it more difficult for all of us that believe the Word of God when it comes to these things. And uh, there have been a lot of caricatures that have been created about people and movements that embrace the Holy Spirit uh, that are untrue and that are completely false. Because most people don't act like crazy nuts when the Holy Spirit comes on them. Okay? Most people do not abuse or misuse the Holy Spirit, but the few mess it up for everyone, right? That happens in many uh, things in life. Uh, but let me declare this to you today. Regardless of what some people think or what some people believe, you can be highly intelligent, okay? You can be highly rational and logical and still speak in tongues and still embrace the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can be highly intelligent and pray for someone that's sick and believe for healing. You can be highly intelligent and prophesy to someone. You can be highly intelligent and receive a prophetic dream while you're sleeping, okay? You don't have to be dumb or irrational or illogical or wacky and weird to believe in these things, okay? So uh, before um, I get deeper into the message, can I just have everyone stand? I, I, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit wants to release something in you today. I just pray that you would release what you want to release into our hearts and into our minds today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, enlighten your word, illuminate your word to our hearts. Give us revelation. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, we would never be the same. And as Priscilla prayed earlier, that you would break the chains in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter number 7, uh, starting with verse 37. And we're in Numa part 4, but my subtitle is Log Jam. Log jam. Can you say log jam? Log. log jam. Okay. Verse 37. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Verse 38. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being. 
just like the scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor, meaning the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, okay? So in this passage, Jesus was in attendance at the Feast of Booths, also called the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? And this particular feast or festival was one of the three great Jewish feast that the Jewish people celebrated along with Passover and Pentecost. It was also the most joyous of all of the feasts. Committed Jews lived outdoors in booths for seven days, okay, as a reminder of God's provision in the desert during the wilderness wandering. And so they would they would uh, set up these booths made of tree branches and they would spend the night in there for seven days to remind them of how God provided for them as they departed Egypt and entered into their promised land. But in between that was the wilderness wandering time. And so they are remembering how God provided for them during that time. Aren't you grateful that even during the times in our lives that we are aimlessly wandering, not knowing what we're supposed to do due to our disobedience, that God still provides life, health, and love to us, just like he did to the Israelites. Aren't you glad that when you are walking away from God, that he is not walking away from you? That even though we are in disobedience to him, he still provides and he still loves us and he still cares for us. I don't know about you, but I am grateful. This particular feast also had certain rituals in it. And so this feast lasted for eight days. And each day, the priest would go out and fill a gold pitcher of water at the Gihon Spring while singing and worship was going on at the temple in accordance with Isaiah 12, 3 that says, Therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And once the priest would fill up his pitcher, he would go back to the altar and he would pour out the water. And this ritual was symbolic of when the Israelites were in the wilderness where God provided water out of a rock, okay? And as this ritual was taking place on the last day of the feast, Jesus, he stood up and the Bible says that he declared in a loud voice to the crowds that were present that salvation was from him and that if you're weary and you are thirsty and you are parched, that you need to come to him because he is the only one that can fully satisfy the thirst in your soul, that he is the only answer. He was saying that he is the rock in which the living water flows from. And then Jesus prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was to come on the day of Pentecost after his death, resurrection, and ascension in verse 39. So let's read that again. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. And so this is the context in which Jesus was saying these things. And he describes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as rivers of living water that burst out from within you flowing from your innermost being. John, the author of this passage, 
makes it clear that Jesus was promising this to believers that were going to receive the fullness of the Spirit once He ascended back into heaven. Now, notice that this imagery of rivers is in distinct contrast to the uh, well imagery that Jesus uses to bring the Samaritan woman at the well to salvation in John chapter 4. And there's a reason that there is a distinction between this imagery. So let's read John chapter 4 and verse 14. But whoever, this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of springing of water springing up to eternal life. And so I don't think these two contrasting images of water is coincidental because I believe that what Jesus is showing us here is that salvation is for us to experience within our hearts as we repent, believe, and put our trust in Jesus by faith. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to fill us in order to send us out with power to fulfill our assignment here on earth, okay? The well imagery is for our personal salvation. The rivers is for our life of service to God. And so that's why he uses these two distinct, unique, different images when he's talking about salvation versus when he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So salvation is for us to receive eternal life personally. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for us to receive power so we can go out and do what he's called us to do, okay? So point number one, the Holy Spirit downloads us with power to walk out our God-given dreams. Okay? We are imparted with supernatural energy to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. We are empowered to be who God has called us to be. We are endued with strength to withstand temptation. Okay? A ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, will look like rivers, plural, rivers, flowing through us. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, okay? And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father, okay? If you and I are not doing the same things that we read about Jesus doing, we are not living in the fullness of our potential, if we are not seeing the same things in our lives that Jesus saw, okay, we are living beneath our privileges as sons and daughters empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power, okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if we are followers of Jesus, we should be expecting power to be released through our lives. Amen? Point number two, a ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit will have rivers flowing from unlikely sources. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. Psalms uh, 78 and verse 16 says this, He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. The source of this water God provided, if you'll notice, wasn't from a spring in the ground 
or from melted snow from the mountains, okay? It was from a very unlikely source. The water was flowing from a rock. How many of you have ever seen a rock sitting there and then water flowing from that rock? I have never seen that before. Furthermore, the psalmist is talking about when God, when God provided for, uh, the water for the Israelites in the desert as they were wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. So not only were the rivers flowing from an unlikely source, but they also flowed in an unlikely place. You don't expect water to be flowing in the middle of a desert, right? And so I say that to say this. One of the unlikely sources of Holy Spirit-empowered ministry for our lives is through the spiritual habit of praying in tongues. Okay? Praying in tongues is a source of power in which we release the rivers of living water from within us out into the world. Okay? Last week, we talked about how praying in the Spirit builds us up. We talked about how praying in the Spirit is part of our armor against the attacks of the enemy. Uh, we talked about how when we pray in the Spirit, we are literally praying in accordance to the will of God. And as Jesus prophesied that rivers of living water were going to burst out of us at the outpouring of the Spirit, what happened when the, that prophecy was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? What happened? Well, they started speaking in unknown languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Okay? And after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter preached a Spirit-filled sermon and 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. These rivers of living water that Jesus talked about bursting from within us is a life marked by power. It's a life marked by love. It's a life marked by servanthood. It's a life marked by abundance, okay? Jesus said that he came to give us an abundant life. He came to give us a life full of joy and full of peace and full of power and full of victory, an abundant, spirit-filled life is a life that is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter number 5. An abundant, spirit-filled life is a life that is full of love. It's a life that is full of joy. It's a life that is full of peace. It's a life that is full of kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That is what the abundant, spirit-filled life that Jesus came to give us looks like. A spirit-filled life is marked by holiness. Separating ourselves from the world's systems and values when they're contrary to the systems and values of God's Word. Living in a way that honors God and keeps my brothers and sisters from stumbling. An abundant spirit-filled life is a life that is characterized by power that includes healing that includes signs and wonders and miracles, that includes prophetic words and prophetic dreams, that includes miracles. A, a, a spirit-filled, abundant life is a life that is characterized by authority over demonic forces. But here's the deal. Sometimes we feel like that river of living water isn't flowing properly, but we don't know or we don't understand why. We feel like the river has dried up for some reason. There are times when we feel like we are living with a heaviness that we can't 
seem to explain. We know we're walking in a heaviness, but we can't explain why. We can't explain where it's coming from, and we can't seem to get out of it. Sometimes our lives are marked with a sense of despair, lacking joy. We just feel like the flow of the Spirit is being blocked in our lives. Where you feel like, man, I know I have the Holy Spirit in me, and, and, and I've experienced His fullness, and I've experienced great things, but there's something blocking the flow of the Spirit in my life right now, and I just don't know what it is. There's just something off right now. Have you ever felt this way before? I know I have. When Priscilla and I haven't spent a lot of quality time together, she'll often say to me, I feel like I don't even know you right now. And of course, what she's trying to say is, that there just seems to be a distance. There just seems to be a disconnect between her and I right now because we haven't spent quality time with each other. And so we need to reestablish that intimacy with one another. And maybe that's where you're at right now in your relationship with God, where there is just something off between you and God. There's just some sort of block between you and the flow of God in your life, and you need to reestablish that intimacy. If that's you, maybe you are experiencing a log jam in your life. Have you ever heard of a log jam before, of that term? It's, have you ever seen pictures or videos of, of a river and, and, and there's a pile up of branches and trees and all sorts of debris and all that? That is what a log jam is. It's just this tangled web of branches and logs and debris and all sorts of different thing, things that start to block the flow of a river or a body of water. The definition of a log jam is this, an immovable pileup or a tangle of logs is in a river causing a blockage, any blockage or massive accumulation. Uh, during a log jam, the river is still flowing, but it isn't moving as freely, right? And depending on the size of the jam, it might even create upstream pools where the water starts to flow in the opposite direction of the current, in a way in which it's not supposed to flow. But let me ask you a question today, church. Is there anything blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life today? Is there anything blocking the rivers of life from bursting forth from within you? Is there anything causing a logjam in your life that's keeping you from being as fruitful as you can be in what God has called you to do? Oftentimes when you're experiencing a logjam, it's because maybe there's something from your past that happened to you that worked like a log getting stuck. And because you never properly dealt with the pain that it caused you, it has attached itself to all sorts of other things and it's created this sort of log jam in your soul. And this log jam could be created by many things, but one of the things it could be created by is maybe sexual, physical, or verbal abuse from someone in your life. Maybe from a parent or an ex-partner or even a coach or spiritual leader. And instead of properly dealing with it, maybe you have suppressed your feelings and it's blocking the flow of the Spirit in your life. Many victims are afraid to tell anyone about the abuse because of fear or maybe they're even embarrassed and they blame themselves for what happened. They hold it in and hold it in and hold it in and it becomes a serious blocker of joy in their lives. And even after they come to Jesus and they're saved, if they don't 
receive healing from what happened in their life. That unresolved hurt becomes a blockage from the fullness of the Spirit in their lives. And they hold on to this hurt. They hold on to this pain. And that pain starts to accumulate other pains and other things. And all of a sudden, they have this entire blockage in their lives. And it's blocking all sorts of blessing and good things from coming into their lives. This logjam could also be created by maybe a loss in your life that caused you a lot of pain. Maybe the loss of a job unexpectedly. Maybe the loss of a relationship that was meaningful. Maybe the loss of a family member. Maybe the loss of financial security. Maybe there was a time where you had a job where money was coming in, you didn't have to worry about it, but now you find yourself in a place that is not secure and, and you feel this level of loss in your life. Maybe you don't even realize it, but you are angry at God and you are blaming Him for the loss in your life. Maybe you've never even thought about it, but as I'm talking to you right now, you feel like, man, I am blaming God for what I've lost in my life. And maybe the anger aimed at God is what's blocking the fullness of the Spirit from bursting forth in your life. Maybe that anger... You didn't even realize it, but it's aimed towards God because you feel like God took that thing away from you. And that anger that's aimed towards God is what is keeping the fullness of the Spirit of God from being released in your heart. And you need to receive healing from that thing. Or maybe this logjam could be created by unbelief in your heart. Maybe because of the church tradition you grew up in, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit seem a little weird or out there for you. And it's created a sense of unbelief in your soul. Maybe you feel like, man, embracing the prophetic, definitely speaking in tongues, uh, imposing on someone and trying to pray for a miracle in their life, that is just too out there. And, and that, that, that seed of unbelief has been caused because of maybe the church tradition that you grew up in. Or maybe you've seen the outpouring of the Spirit misused and even abused, and you are completely turned off to the experience because you've seen it used in such a weird and wacky and out there way. But let me tell you something. Don't allow something good that has been abused or misused keep you from experiencing the real thing. Maybe this logjam could also be created by an offense in your heart. Someone offended you and you just can't seem to get over it. Maybe someone insulted you in some way and you're holding on to offense towards that person because of it. Maybe someone didn't give you the proper credit that you deserve and whatever, and maybe you're holding on to an offense and you're carrying that with you everywhere you go and you have a chip on your shoulder because you've never properly dealt with what that person did to you or what you perceived that person doing to you. And you're, so you're carrying offense with you throughout your life and it's hindering the flow of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit in your life. Several years ago, I received this message from someone that I discipled that I wanted to read to you. And it said this, this is what this person said. I felt the need to re reach out because I have been carrying an offense towards you in my heart ever since you discipled me. 
There was a particular time in my life where I was very vulnerable with you about certain circumstances and your response wounded me very badly. As an act of obedience, I want to live a lifestyle of peace according to Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I've been carrying animosity towards you for a long time and in the words of Elsa, I want to let it go. So I forgive you, Stephen. And this message is really for me so I can move forward. But I did want to wish you a happy belated birthday as well. You know, I was in this person's life probably 12 or 13 years ago. And to be honest, I still have no idea what I did to offend this person. But I obviously did something to wound her heart. And when this person wrote this message to me, we were living in different cities and I had not spoken to her in years. But I love what this person said when they said, this message is really for me so that I can move forward. How many of you know when you are offended with someone, forgiving them is not about them. It's about you being able to move forward because the offense is affecting you. The the offense is destroying you. The, the, the offense is poisoning your heart. And so you need to let go of that offense, not, not for anything that has to do with them, but so that you can release your heart from what that offense is doing to you. And so I so loved what this person said, that they said, this message, it's not really about you. It's, it's so that I can move on because I've been carrying this offense towards you. Some of you need to write a letter like this or make a phone call like this or send a text message like this or maybe you just need to forgive someone in your heart not because of anything that has to do with them but so that you can move forward, so that you can move on because chances are the person you're offended with doesn't even know that they offended you and you're ready to jump off a cliff. And maybe as you write the letter or make the phone call or send the text message or forgive in your heart, whatever is blocking the rivers from bursting within you, that logjam will be released and you can experience the fullness of the Spirit and the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart. Or maybe this blockage could be due and created by a judgment Maybe your lack of grace for someone else is creating a blockage from the Holy Spirit doing something in your own heart. Maybe you're so busy worrying about someone else, what someone else is doing, that you are completely missing out on what God wants to do in you. Many times we want unlimited grace for our hangups, but we want to throw the book at other people when they mess up, don't we? Or we're very harsh towards people who struggle with something we don't struggle with, right? Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 1, this is Jesus speaking. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Have you ever met someone where there's something wrong with everyone and everything? 
Nobody can ever do it right. Like, you go to a restaurant, and they serve some delicious food, and everybody is raving about the food, and this person's like, ah, it was all right. It could have been better. Or, or I know you've heard this one. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites, right? And so you're telling me that you know everyone's life in every single church around the globe Okay, there are 3 billion Christians in the world, including Catholics. Okay, so you know everybody's life in every church all across, the, all across the globe, and every single one of them are hypocrites. That's what you're telling me. But let me clarify here. Jesus in this passage was not saying that we can never call out sin or that we can never correct someone, because who was Jesus speaking to here? He wasn't speaking to church leaders. He wasn't speaking to people discipling other people. He was speaking to Pharisees who were hypocrites. He went into detail about how they were hypocritical people. So Jesus in this passage was not saying that we can never call out sin or that we can never correct or bring critique to someone's life. What he was saying is what is motivating the calling out? What is the motivation behind you calling out? That thing. What is the underlying inspiration of why you are bringing correction? Is it out of love or is it out of self-righteousness? Is it out of care or is it out of pride? What is the motivation? What is the inspiration? What is the underlying motive for why you want to bring that correction? Anytime we bring something up to someone when it comes to correction or critique, it must be done out of a sincere love for them in order to help them. And make sure you're walking out to the best of your ability what you're correcting in that person. Okay? The other day I was at lunch with a longtime friend of mine who was not a believer. And we got our food and we started, and I prayed for my food. He even said, do you need to pray for the food? I said, yeah, I do. So I prayed for the food. And once I got done, uh, he tried to correct me. That, and he said, you're praying, you prayed so loud that it was distracting to me to the point where uh, I couldn't even understand anything you were saying. And uh, honestly, I was, I was not praying that loud. I don't shout when I pray for my food. He was just trying to get at me. And the problem with him bringing this up to me and correcting me in this way is that this guy is the loudest, most boisterous kind of individual that you will ever meet. He will talk about something so personal and so uncomfortable, something that I am feeling uncomfortable with him talking about. But he will say it so loud that the entire restaurant can hear. Yet I prayed so loud that he couldn't even hear what I was trying to say. So if you're trying to call out someone for lying, make sure you don't have a habit of lying yourself. Okay? And if we judge people with the wrong motives, it can turn into bitterness or cynicism in our lives. So many people are bitter and cynical towards Christians and the church because they have judged them for so, so long. And what happens is that those logs in our eyes that Jesus is talking about become the logs that create this log jam in our soul towards the things of the Spirit. And so as these logs start to collect and, and they start to, to build up, the flow of the Spirit starts to get funky. The flow of the Spirit starts to break down and starts to be blocked in our lives. So if there's a log jam that's keeping the fullness of the Holy Spirit from bursting out from within you, as Jesus said, God wants to free you from that log jam today. 
So here's how you need to proceed in getting rid of that logjam in your heart. Maybe today what you need to do to get rid of that logjam is that you need to give something to God. Okay? And what I mean by that is you need to trust him in an area of your life to take care of it, even though it might not feel resolved. Okay? You need to do everything that you can do, and then you just need to give it to God. Hand it over to God and trust him with that situation, with that person. Like that, like that person that messaged me that I told you about earlier, she needed to forgive me and send me that message so that this person could move on, yeah. not anything that had to do with me. And I ended up apologizing to this person. I, I, but, but I believe that regardless of whether I po- apologize to this person or not, that they had already given that situation to the Lord. And that's why they sent me that message. Maybe there is an offense towards someone that is absolutely controlling your life right now. And the best thing you can do is to give it to God regardless of whether you receive restitution or not. Because at the end of the day, all you can do is control what you can control. Because at the end of the day, all you can do is what you can do. All you can do is forgive. You can't make anybody else do anything. So maybe what you need to do is you need to do what, everything you can do and just give it to God and let Him take care of it. Or maybe today, maybe you don't need to give something to God, but maybe you need to give something up. Maybe there's a sin issue in your life that you're holding on to that you need to give up. That's, that's the blocker of the flow of the Spirit in your life. Maybe there's a mindset that you need to give up that's holding you back. Maybe there's a fear that you need to let go of that's blocking the flow of the Spirit. Maybe you are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Many people are afraid to embrace the Holy Spirit because they see what it does to other people and they think that maybe the source of that is demonic in nature right? Instead of, and so maybe there's a fear or maybe because of what other people told you about, about embracing the things of the spirit, maybe what other people have told you have created a seed of fear. Maybe today you need to let go of that fear. Maybe there's a destructive habit in your life that you're currently engaged in that you need to let go of today. Maybe you need to give up that unbelief that's entrenched in your mind because of the church tradition you were raised in. And today, You need to say, you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to embrace what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart and in my life. I am not going to allow a faulty mindset hold me back anymore. I am not going to allow fear to hold me back. I'm not going to allow uncertainty to hold me back. I'm not going to allow what someone else told me about the Holy Spirit to hold me back from what He wants to do in my life. And one of the ways that I believe you can identify the log jams in your heart is through praying in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the heart's knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What Paul is telling us here in this passage is the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What what Paul is telling us here is that the Spirit is interceding for us and through us. And when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying in accordance with the will of God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this, 
For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. In Dr. Jack Hayford's book, The Beauty of Spiritual Language, he says this about this particular verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. The word mystery has become altogether more mysterious in our day than it was in Bible times. Today, the word mystery refers to the inscrutable, the unknown, or that which only a steel trap Sherlock Holmes type mind can demystify and master. And the plural mysteries is even worse, having come to suggest the rites of an ancient religion or the arcane insights of an occult school of practice or perhaps on the order of reading tea leaves or divining a calf's liver. He goes on to say, but in the New Testament Greek, the word mystery, mysterion, means something almost quite different. In the original Greek, it means a former secret now disclosed or opened. Okay? So with that in mind, I want to relook at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. What Paul is saying is this, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries or that which was formerly secrets but are now disclosed or open. So as we're praying in the spirit, as we're praying in tongues, things that used to be mysteries are now starting to be revealed. And we don't even know what's being revealed because no one but God understands what we're saying. But the Bible says that as we pray in the spirit, as we pray in this unknown tongue, these mysteries, these things that are locked behind a closed door, they're being unlocked and they're being revealed in the spirit realm. Because how many of you know... There are all sorts of things going on in the unseen. There's more stuff. There's more things going on in the unseen than maybe even in the seen. And because we can't see it, many times we don't believe it. We don't embrace it. But if we would just take a look at our lives, we would see that there's so many things in the spirit realm that are happening. And when we pray in tongues in the privacy of our home, when we're praying to God and we're speaking in our prayer language, there are mysteries that are being revealed. Maybe there are things in our lives that are being unlocked and we don't even know it. There are things that are holding us back. There are log jams that are being that, that, that are, that there, there's logs that are jammed up that are being removed. There's debris that's being removed. And as we continually pray in the Spirit, as we continually pray in our prayer language, there are mysteries being revealed. There are things being broken off of our life. There are chains being broken. There are, there are things in our lives that are being freed up. But so many people, even those that are baptized in the Holy Spirit and have a prayer language, many, many of us, we don't use it. We don't ever use it. We have this source of power that we choose not to use. Church, I pray in tongues every day because I want to pray in accordance with the will of God. I want the Spirit to help me in my weakness. I want these mysteries that have held me back, generational things that have maybe been passed down, things that I struggle with that, that have been passed down from my great-grandpa to my grandpa to my dad and then to me. I want these mysteries 
these generational curses. I want them to be broken from my life. And I believe that when we pray in the Spirit, those things start to break. Things that are locked up, mysteries that are locked up, we get the key and those things are opened up. And so I want to take advantage of everything at my disposal. And that is why I pray in the Spirit. That is why I pray in tongues. That is why I use my prayer language because I believe that when I am praying in, in that unknown tongue, I'm not talking to men. I'm talking to God. And as I'm talking to God, God is releasing His power and releasing His presence into my circumstances and situation. I told you last week, or I don't remember, maybe two weeks ago, that who knows, as we've been praying in our unknown uh, tongue, and as we've been praying in our prayer language, what kind of disasters we've avoided, or what kind of disasters that, that, that loved ones that we didn't even know we were praying for because we were praying in the Spirit, what kind of disasters they have avoided because of our prayers. Because what we don't have knowledge of, God has knowledge of. So I want to encourage you today. To ask the Holy Spirit how to get that log jam that's blocking the flow of the Spirit, the flow of the river, the flow of the fullness of the Spirit in your life. What do I need to do? Do I need to, do I need to stop casting judgment on people? Do I need to stop carrying this offense? Do I need to start, do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to start accessing my spiritual language more? Do, do I need to get over this mindset, this fear? What do I need to do to receive the fullness of what God has for me? Because church, that is what I desire for you to have. I want what's blocking the blessing of God to be removed in your life. Amen. Let's pray.